So good to be with you again this evening. And uh, as per our format, we'll be uh, entertaining questions this evening. And uh, just to uh, remind you, tomorrow morning we'll have the diksha. Some of some of the devotees will accept the mantra diksha, and so that will be accompanied by um, a, a homa a yagya. Hmm? And um, then we continue on with questions and Brahma Samhita and so forth as we've been discussing. So, are there any questions this evening? Yes, very good. Guru Maharaj, I have one question uh, continuing on, on with the theme from this morning. Hmm. Siddhanta. Uh, how serious is it for the spiritual life of a sadhaka if he or she uh, entertains some mistaken siddhanta for example, uh, the beliefs that the jiva has fallen from my contract. But uh, otherwise, does good seva and uh, is a non-offensive person and so on. How much does that uh, opposite hunter affect his or her spiritual life? Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the extent to which that misconception is cultivated and the extent to which, if at all, it is maintained um, aggressively, I guess I want to say, in the face of the actual siddhanta. So, given that, um, those qualifiers, um, it may not be much of an issue at all. It may be something that someone hasn't even thought about that deeply, but when thinking about it, finds that they think about it in a particular way, having heard in a particular way, perhaps, and not given it a second thought. And therefore, sometimes teachers may teach about that or other issues um, in, uh, in ways that are less than, they constitute less than a comprehensive explanation on that aspect of the Siddhanta, and they, in doing so, they are not that concerned that the disciple understands the issue or that aspect of Siddhanta comprehensively, not as concerned as they are concerned that the disciple is uh, fueled or inspired to carry on with the practices. In that scenario, however, it would be expected that as a result of the practices hmm, in due course, um, one would arrive at a more comprehensive understanding of the Siddhanta or an openness to a more detailed and comprehensive explanation when and if it should surface in the life of the sadhaka, which it may not. Hmm? But obviously, in the course of the sadhana, with regard to the example that you've given of an upasiddhanta or a less than comprehensive understanding on a particular uh, topic, hmm? in the course of time in their sadhana, they'll arrive at the understanding that they're going to a place from which there's no, <laughs> there's no return. Indeed, the closer that one gets to that uh, arriving at that destination, the more that becomes obvious and, and clear. Whereas, 
any misconception about that, for example, or any less than comprehensive uh, or complete understanding of the, the tattva on that should be relative to uh, one's um, conditioning, hmm? wherein one would uh, t- tend to think more in terms of um, I want to say oneself uh, in an independent sense from from Bhagawan and uh, issues of one's rights, for example, seem to come up and fairness uh, and so forth. All these ideas, fairness and, and rights and 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 uh, and so forth indicates some sense of separateness from Bhagawan and some question of whether well if he's like that then maybe I don't want you know to go to him something if he put me here as but which isn't the case but really but that kind of thinking so um, so I I think it's harmless in a sense and maybe even useful in some instances. To instruct on some aspects of Siddhanta on the part of the Guru in provisionary ways, provisional ways, to um, not trouble the mind of the sadhaka with issues that are maybe too difficult to grasp or that may uh, disturb their practice, hmm? interrupt it, and so forth. So there's a place for that, and um, little or no harm, and maybe even good, can come from it. But in due course, if the particular topic, as I say, for some reason or other, come becomes more of a focus, like the topic that you mentioned, that become a huge focus in the Gaudiya Vaishnav international community, and so then somebody has to weigh in on that and say, well, this is what the actual Siddhanta is on this issue. This is the conclusion of the scriptures on this topic. Hmm? And um, in doing so, we may acknowledge that there have been other ways of talking about it that are less than comprehensive and they have their place and so on and so forth. Um, So if, when that occasion arises, people become... With a with a, those with a provisional idea, hmm, fight against that, and uh, then it becomes problematic for their their progress. One might argue, why give them the opportunity, you know, to do that? Hmm? But I think that the answer is that others hmm, will go the other direction. Hmm? because they have started to become disturbed by the provisional understanding and the ramifications of it. Um, it no longer works for them, and they need to be nourished with a more complete and comprehensive understanding. If they don't get it, the ones who are making progress will be pushed aside, so to speak, in the name of helping those that aren't as progressive. Hmm? We should try to cater to, to, the, to those who, who, who have a bigger appetite hmm? um, uh, that, uh, that they may be nourished and their example may uplift others rather than constantly uh, lowering the bar and dumbing the whole teaching down to cater to those who um, Require provisional understandings and, uh, and and so forth. That that would be at the cost of of growing mature uh, devotees who, in, in due course, would uh, will 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 be, uh, which which in due course will better equip us to uh, to teach the masses, so to speak, and bring others up. So. 
So it's, uh, it's, uh, the answer is kind of uh, relative, I suppose, to, to the circumstances surrounding and the, the, the particular point. I mean, there are many points of Siddhanta. Hmm? Some of them are very fine and very subtle, um, uh, very intricate, and they may have less and less bearing. Even, even great acharjas may not know all the subtle points of the Siddhanta. Once Pujapad Bhakti Pramod Puri Gosami Maharaj um, was remarking about one Mayavadi. The Mayavadis are uh, well known for being uh, jnanis and uh, very well versed in the scripture and even well versed in paths other than their own other than Advaita Vedanta, they may know with their penchant for learning and so forth about Vishishta Dvaita, Dvaita Dvaita, and have studied their Advaita Vedanta from different perspective, different vantage points, and uh, in order to firm up their own conviction and so forth. And, and they may, in some instances, know Gaudiya Vedanta very well also. And this was, was the case for this one gentleman, and he had spoken apparently in Vrindavan the night before on the Gaudiya Vedanta, and some of the devotees reported it to Puri Maharaj, and he was familiar with that man, and he chuckled, and he said, yes, and he knows the Siddhanta better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, but, you know, <laughs> he is doing this and this and such and such and such. And so forth. So um, there, 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 there may be those who are sedantavit, and they're very have a very refined understanding of every every detail, nuanced differences, and so on and so forth. And others may not be um, as tuned in to such details. And there may not be. Uh, it's not. There's not necessarily a need for. To, to be to be so, um, and um, and then again, the other side of that is is that uh, that Bhaktivinoda Thakur has labeled misunderstanding about tattva, brahma tattva, illusion about tattva, to be an anartha. Hmm? So how do we resolve those two? I think that that. If you study Bhaktivinoda carefully, hmm, he's not saying every refined and subtle detail of the Siddhanta has to be known. Uh, and if not, and if you have one of it slightly wrong, or <laughs> that this is an anartha and this will impede your progress, rather he's speaking in a more general way about the fact that people who don't have basic sambandagyan and therefore are, are in illusion about tattva, they may, for example, chant Hare Krishna, but they may not know the tattva that Krishna is Swami Bhagavan. Hmm? And they may not know the tattva that the name of Krishna is ontologically uh, qualitatively different than the name of Durga. Uh, or Kali, Shiva, and so forth. And so without that basic samandagyan and being in illusion, therefore, about a very broad and important essential issue of tattva and siddhanta, they will be under the influence of anartha and that will impede their progress. It was very common at the time of Bhakti Thakur, and it is today in India probably as well, that many people... Uh, would say if asked their religion is Vaishnav and Gaudiya and so forth and um, they have initiation from somebody and so forth but they have no uh, basic Sambandagyan hmm? and they're in, in, very much in illusion about fundamental issues of, of Tattva 
because they didn't become Gaudiya Vaishnavas like many of us by conversion and having to hear the logic and the scripture and be taught and so forth, uh, but rather out of uh, heredity and custom and, and cultural, they become nominal, nominal Gaudiyas. Hmm. Um, and so his idea, his point that Brahma Tattva or illusion about Tattva is an anartha um, uh, pertains to a much wider sense of the term uh, Tattva and Siddhanta. So there are broad issues of Siddhanta that we, we want to see the students understand that these are foundational stones in the house of Bhakti that uh, we are trying to erect, that we might uh, 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 live within in a compact of love with Bhagwan. Mm-hmm. And then there are, you know, I suppose you could say different different surfaces, or you could, you could put on this this color paint, or you could put on stucco or wood or brick, and uh, some might be a less refined finish, <laughs> and more, some might be a more refined finish um, and so forth, but that's those might we could look at them more as as details that don't necessarily um, need to be uh, uh, fully understood in order to make progress, but they will be understood in due course in in in, in a sense um, then again in Vrindavan, they don't even know that Krishna is the supreme personality of God. It's a, there's the cornerstone has been taken out, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, does that help? Um, does anybody have any other uh, comment on that or further follow-up? Yes. A different question. Does anybody have any further question about this kind of issue, about Siddhanta and how much you need to know uh, uh, or don't know, or what is a particular point of Siddhanta that's that's uh, you, you've heard might be this way or that way, or anything related to the the, the question before we go on and take a new subject. Okay. Yes. Krishna is instructing Arjuna saying near yoga kshama and for instance Banu's family is trying to in his approach or way of trying to translate and commentary by Vishwana Chakravati he's writing something like to, it means kshama safety, it means this near yoga kshama means that somebody is supposed to give up or dharma, uh, artha, kama, and moksha. And I would like to un- uh, understand properly what is the practical implication of this niryogakshama. What what does it mean exactly? Więc ja chciałem zapytać o takie stwierdzenie, które pada w 45 tekście w drugim rozdziale Bhagavadgity i Krishna tam mówi niryogakshama. I to jest tłumaczone jako porzucenie Krzema jest czasami tłumaczone jako bezpieczeństwo, to znaczy, żeby tak przestać się martwić czymkolwiek. I na przykład Banu z Wami w swojej, w swoim, w swojej takiej próbie przybliżenia komentarza wyświetlanego Czechowiatego Takura pisze, że to znaczy, że trzeba porzucić zarówno darmę, jak i artę, jak i kamę i moksze, to znaczy tak naprawdę wszystko. Więc, więc ja, ja próbuję się dowiedzieć, co to tak naprawdę w sensie praktycznym well, this is a very nice verse from the second chapter, and the answer to your question is found in the eighth chapter, um, where these terms are used as well. Can you read for us the verse from the second chapter that you're referring to? Does anybody have Bhagavad Gita? Here, give it to me.
Trigunya Vishaya Veda, this Trigunya, Pavarjuna, Nidvan Vanitya Satvastodhi Yoga Jemaatmavan. The Vedas deal mainly with life within the jurisdiction of the three gunas. Arjun, you should transcend these gunas. Becoming indifferent to material dualities, fixed in truth, free from concerns for acquisition and comfort, and established in the self. So the words that you're asking about are translated here by this person, free from concerns for acquisition and comfort, near yoga chema atmavan. So this verse, Krishna is speaking about bhakti. He tells Arjun, Trigunya Vishaya Veda, that the Vedas are mostly concerned with the three modes of nature and movement within the modes of nature. That means uh, how to navigate uh, the material world in such a way as to make material progress, to avoid material distress and to acquire material happiness. This is the m- main subject of the Vedas because that's what the most people are interested in. Hmm? But as we know in this t- chapter, this is the second chapter, Krishna is trying to inspire Arjuna to go beyond the common religious interest and religious orientation to life and to embrace a spiritual orientation to life that will bring experience of the self and the here and the now and and uh, so forth rather than merely to uh, color or tint one's human life with a religious color. So, the Vedas deal mostly with the modes of nature and moving within material existence. Nistraigunyo hmm. Bhavarjuna. But, Arjun, uh, I'm calling upon you to transcend the influence of the modes of nature. Nistraigunyo hmm. Bhavarjuna, Nirvandva. We cannot transcend the modes of nature without uh, without bhakti. Hmm? And so Therefore, it is an it is a um, advocacy uh, on the part of um, Krishna for Arjuna to take up bhakti, which has been um, uh, this section of the Gita begins with a description of bhakti. When he says, "Neha bhikkhavanashosti pratyavayana vidyate svalapamopya sadharmasyatrayate matovayat," that which is from which there is no falling. Hmm, that is bhakti, that from which, having gained um, on that path, there is no, never any loss. This is bhakti. This is not kar- the karma marg. Hmm? From the karma marg, whatever we gain, we lose uh, and start over again. Right? You, you're born, you know, starting over again. And... Um, And actually, Gyanmark 
There's also no permanent gain in the Ganmarg either. Hmm? We can go as far as we like in the Ganmarg, but if we don't take to bhakti, then we cannot. Uh, Gyan means sattvagun. Hmm? Karma means rajagun. So, bhakti is nistraigunya, and it is the it is the is it is the means for arriving at a, at a status beyond the modes of nature. So, uh, again, this is an advocacy here of bhakti, and um, he describes really the qualities of bhakti when he says niryoga chema bhavan. As I mentioned, it's uh, explained nicely in the eighth chapter. What is that verse? Ananyas chintayon tomam yejana paryupasate tesham nitipyuktanam yoga chemam bahame hum. Yoga chemam bahame hum. So it speaks of a kind of uh, dependence upon Krishna hmm? and nothing else. He says there, those who are. Ananyas chintayantum, I'm always there, conscious of me, always thinking of me, yejana paryupasate, worshipping me with love, tesham nityabhyuktanam, yoga jemam bahami aham. Whatever they lack, I supply, whatever they have, I preserve, I carry them. I, I, I uh, make up for their loss, I uh, sustain them, and so forth. So this is the sense in bhakti hmm? that Krishna is sustaining me. Krishna, I take shelter of Krishna, and and um, and and uh, all my necessities for pursuing the path and so forth will be met by him, and and other necessities for that matter, if I should have any. Uh, we have examples of that. Hmm? So he's saying the same thing here. Hmm. That he says there, and that is a verse from the, is it the ninth chapter, um, eighth or ninth? I think the ninth chapter, maybe eighth chapter. That is speaking about Shuddha Bhakti, pure devotion. Hmm. So same thing here. Hmm. Near Yoga Chem Atmavan. Hmm. That um, free from concerns for acquisition and comfort. Hmm. That uh, Krishna will carry what you lack and preserve what you have, with this kind of sense in, in mind. So it is an advocacy of pure devotion. Therefore, it's not an advocacy of uh, what did you say, dharmartha kama, moksha, hmm? but of bhakti and dependence upon Krishna and the sense that. Uh, uh, that uh, Krishna w- Krishna will sustain me, hmm? uh, such as the nature of the, the transcendental ideal. Hmm? He is the, uh, the the sustainer there. He is the one. Sri Akanta Kanta Paramapurusha Kalpataravo. He's the one male, and everyone else is the female, hmm? the prakriti and. In a classical sense, he's male is maintaining all the females and and so forth. So this is the spirit of it. Yeah. Also can be taken as a way of I don't have to do anything in a very very simple way. Understanding this for some people and uh, like these anxieties or, or just trying to gain some or, or at least protect themselves from the harm of the world is even more important on some stages of life than even the fear of death. Uh, so so how I, I'm. I'm trying to, to ask, is this like theological or even philosophical point, like general idea that, that Krishna is Vishvamba, the one who is like uh, maintaining all the universes, or is more practical application? It means that 
Um, and on which level devotees thinking of Krishna is like uh, providing me all what I need, and he is my maintainer. So, mm -hmm. so I, I'm asking about this in practical. Yeah. You want to explain it to the devotees in Polish? So the question is, does Krishna only maintain his advanced devotees <laughs> and everybody else has to take care of themselves? Hmm? There's a famous story um, surrounding the, uh, the verse I cited from, uh, it must be the ninth chapter. Ananyas chintayan tumam yejana paripasate tesham nitibhyuktanam yoga jemam bahami ham. There was, uh, the story goes like this, you may, some of you may know it, but there was uh, a devotee who was very much a, a devotee of the Gita and would study the Gita regularly and meditate on every word and its meaning and so forth, as is recommended in the conclusion of the Gita. Hmm? Where Krishna says, those who study this with their intelligence and so forth. Um, so, and the benefits of such, fruits of such. And contemplating this verse, Yoga Chemam Bahami Aham, it says, I carry what they lack and preserve what they have. They have. Um, he thought this must be wrong. Hmm? Somebody must have, this must be in a, have been an interpolation where some word has been changed because the idea that Krishna will carry Bahami what the devotees need. Hmm? Um, can't be because he's he's the supreme god and so forth and he'll so he thought he'll get it done he, he changed it to karomi hmm? somehow through his agency through his energy through his power through his uh expansion or something he'll he'll take care of them indirectly but not in the full sense of the term hmm? but krishna will personally come and which was the implication of the verse as he understood it. Krishna will personally come and, and, and make sure you have everything you need uh, to go on in his service, something like that. So he scratched out the word Bahami and he wrote in Karomi. And then he went out as he would daily in the marketplace to beg for fruits and vegetables and rice and so forth. Um, he was a Brahmin and he was very, very poor. And so he went, and um, um, he was not having much success. And um, after some time, a young boy came to his home while he was still in the market with a bushel full of fruits and, and, and grains and vegetables and so forth. And the wife opened the door and said, you know, who are you? And he said, oh, well, your husband sent me here uh, with all these items and so forth for you to prepare lunch and, and so on. So she was very charmed and uh, she invited him in and took the, the, the foodstuffs and so forth. And then she noticed that he had a little scratch on his head, and she said, how, how did that, oh, you know, you're so beautiful, how did that happen to you? He said, oh, your husband did that. He hit me. She said, oh, how could he do that? You know, and, so, and so then the boy left, and she cooked, and the husband came home and said, what are you, you know, why are you cooking, and where did you get the food? And she said, well, that nice boy, you, you know, you sent here, he brought all the food, but why did you hit him? He said, what are you talking about? <laughs> So he scratched his own head, you know, like this. So what's going on? And he went back to take shelter of the Gita, as he would, and there he saw 
the word uh, karomi that he had written in crossed out and the word vahami was written back in again. And so that he could understand that the Krishna had personally come and, and that when he scratched out the word, the Krishna got a scratch on his head. Yeah. It showed up in this way. So the story is told to make the point that Krishna actually personally takes care of his devotees. Hmm. And we should not um, try to, as this gentleman did, <laughs> to philosophize that uh, point away. But the question does arise, as you have asked, what kind of devotee does he do this for? Is it for all devotees? or only for very advanced devotees and so forth. Hmm. Well, I think the, 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 the teaching is for, that it's for all devotees. Hmm. And all devotees should think like this, that Krishna will take care of me. Krishna will maintain me. Hmm. Because actually, uh, this is the central um, hub of the angas, the limbs of sharanagati. And sharanagati, or surrender, submission, it corresponds with shraddha, or faith. Sharanagati is the outward expression of the internal reality of one's faith. And faith is not the end of bhakti, but is the beginning of bhakti. When Krishna says in the Gita, Sarva Dharman Prityaja, Mamekam Sharanam Braja, he's talking about the beginning of bhakti. And he instructs, don't take shelter of any other god or goddess, only me. Hmm? Sarva Dharman Prityaja. You may take shelter of them only in relation to me, hmm? as we were speaking this morning about Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Uh, take shelter of me alone. Hmm? So this has to be cultivated. This is the Sarup Lakshan, the primary characteristic of Sharanagati. We find it manifest in the Govardhan Leela. Hmm? In the Govardhan Leela, um, the inhabitants of Vrindavan were pursuing their maintenance by way of petitioning Indra. And Krishna interfered with the yajna and established himself as the maintainer and demonstrated it practically by manifesting himself as Govardhan Hill hmm? and teaching the devotees that Govardhan Hill is providing for us, what do we need Indra for? Hmm? And just see, I am Govardhan Hill and, and who is Indra in compared to me? He is a small thing. Hmm. He is nothing. Hmm. And uh, in that yajna and of the leela, the Govardhan yajna, glorifying Govardhan, Krishna said, and we will prepare food and feed Govardhan Hill, and then after Govardhan is satisfied, we will feed everyone else. Everyone, all the Brahmins, all the people, all the animals, everyone except him. He's pointing at that guy. Indra. Hmm? We'll starve out heaven. Hmm? <laughs> we make heaven fast. Such is my position, he said. So, as you know, in that Leela, Krishna was given the name Govinda, hmm? which means, among other things, we talked about one meaning this morning, it also means who is the Up- Upendra, the same meaning, hmm? who is the Lord of of uh, of of Indra, hmm? so the god of the gods, hmm? and uh, Krishna established himself as such in this leela before everybody that I am the maintainer hmm? for my devotees in Vrindavan. I, I I take care of everything for everyone, those who are surrendered to me. So this is not a point to be embraced 
only by advanced devotees, but by the beginning devotees as well. Therefore, of course, at the same time we say, advanced devotees don't have any needs. So, (laughs) Krishna's off the hook. He he doesn't have to provide for them. They don't have any needs. Of course, the advanced devotees, they have the need to have union with Krishna. Hmm? They are suffering the dark night of the soul in separation, and it is for them that Krishna comes to the world. Just like there are always souls in this world under the influence of karma, always have been, always will be. So there are always sadhakas in the world also, anadi sadhaka, <laughs> we can say. Well, not, it has some beginning, but that one can't be traced out. <laughs> so, uh, as long as the world's been going on, hmm, is as long as Vishnu has been advocating in the world and creating sadhakas uh, as well, hmm, in, in one sense. So, he comes for the sadhakas whose sadhana, whose practice has reached a certain point that they, they cannot go on without having union for him as he manifests. And as a side effect, he establishes dharma and so on and so forth. Hmm? Therefore, it's so important for us to be attached to those devotees. That's where, where Krishna's attention has been drawn. Hmm? So they have that need, and he personally, no one else can possibly <laughs> provide that necessity for, for them. No, no, no other god or goddess could step in and say, I'll take his place. Hmm. Not even the Paramatma could take his place. Uh, when Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur in his Ragvartma Chandrika poses the question, how will Krishna, who is lost in love, um, in Radha's love, in the love of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, to the extent that he does not even know that he's God? Hmm? He thinks, I'm the son of Yashoda. He doesn't think, I'm God, under the influence of their prem. This is real Krishna. This is the Swayam Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Is he who does not think he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Uh, and so forth. So, so Vishwanath um, Chakvitakra poses the question, how will he hear the prayers of his sadhakas? Hmm? And then he supplies an answer to test us, to see if we're ready to tread the, the rag mark. He says, well, the paramatma could, could hear the prayers and then pass them on. Hmm? So if we go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I could deal with that. Then we can understand, well, we are not fully qualified to tread the, the Ragmarg. The Ragmarg response would be, I cannot tolerate that. My prayers, my dependence, complete dependence on Krishna will be answered by the Paramatma. Hmm? Uh, if so, then I have to make the Paramatma Krishna. Shkamsham sundaram, achintuguna sarupam. I have to make him appear in my heart then. Something like that. So they have, they can have no other god before them. <laughs> uh, god says in the Bible, you shouldn't have any other god before me. <laughs> the devotees have this idea. No one except Krishna. Maybe Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, yes, but he is Krishna. That is another thing. Hmm? He is Radha and Krishna combined. Hmm? And Yugavatar. <laughs> he's, he's Paramatma as well and so forth. So, uh, so he's our deity. But... The idea is that hmm, we'll depend on Krishna alone. This is our stand in bhakti. And this is our stand from the day one. Now, from day one we have other necessities than just the union of Krishna. Hmm? We're not even suffering in separation. We're suffering from other things. We're suffering from things that get in the way of our resolve to take shelter of Krishna. Hmm? So, should we employ uh, 
you know, someone else uh, to re- remedy our situation and so forth. Well, we may. Hmm? We may, to one extent or another, relatively speaking, um, um, we might take medicine, for example, because we're sick. We think, well, why didn't you just chant Hare Krishna? Hmm? And so forth. But uh, we, but this is not outside of the idea of taking shelter of Krishna, because the sadaka will think there was a time when I could say I am not this body. Hmm? Now I can say my body belongs to Krishna. Hmm? And I belong to Krishna. Hmm? And so, uh, I must take care of this body that belongs to Krishna. It is a sadhaka deha. It's not a material body anymore. It's a sadhaka deha. It's a body in, 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 in transformation. Hmm? Uh, a body moving away from the influence of the maya shakti, the external energy, into the influence, and under the influence of the internal energy, the sarup shakti. Hmm? And so, one will think, I have to take care of that body. Hmm? We find the gopis are very concerned about how they look. Dressing themselves very nicely and so forth, but only because, well, it will please Krishna. Hmm? There is no vanity in that. So we will stand before the mirror and proudly put on the tilak, hmm? very strongly and so forth, and hmm? and mark the body that it belongs to Krishna and so forth. And so, if other things appear to be useful to us hmm, in terms of our identification with the sadhaka deha for making it more fit both its subtle mind and its gross senses hmm, then we will employ those things but that is in that consciousness we are not taking shelter outside of Krishna hmm. If my sadhaka deya has a headache and, it, and my head cannot think of Krishna, then I can take the aspirin, hmm? something like that. So it's a, it, this, this is the consciousness that we cultivate as uh, dependent upon Krishna. Gopritvevaranamtata, Krishna is my maintainer. Hmm? Even when there is a parent taking shelter of other things, the, the appropriate disposition and thinking of the sadhaka is such that he's actually thinking of Krishna and depending on Krishna and and do, in doing something to in, in the service of Krishna only. So we need to conduct ourselves in such a way that this tendency to take shelter of Krishna, depend only on Krishna, comes within us. Therefore it's said, for example, in the second canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Sukadeva Goswami explains to Maharaj Parikshit all types of worship. If you want this, worship this God. If you want that, worship that God. If you want good health, worship the sun God, and so forth. After going through a whole list, he says, but akama sarvakama uba moksha kama udaradi tivrena bhakti yogena yajeta purusham param. He said, the real Siddhanta <laughs> that I'm teaching is this, he said. Hmm? Whether you have no desires or you have all kinds of desires or whether you desire liberation, in any case, do bhakti yoga to Krishna. Hmm? Let the tendency to take shelter of Krishna come within you. Hmm? 
so sometimes devotees think that I, my material situation is such that if I just had a few more things, I would be in a better position to practice bhakti. Of course, we can practice bhakti in any situation. But we may be disturbed in our mind. I think if I could just get a partner and things would be... <laughs> uh, I would be more whole and then able to spend my full energy in, in bhakti, something like that. But should I pray to Krishna to get a girlfriend? What will, what will Swami think about that? Hmm. And so forth. So we think I shouldn't pray to Krishna to get a girlfriend. But you better to pray to Krishna <laughs> than not. Uh, because by praying to Krishna, you'll get more than a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Hmm? You'll get the tendency to depend upon Krishna. Hmm? So, so we should think like this. Krishna will take care of me. Even for the things that I don't need, hmm, that I think I need, in the context of bhakti, I should, t- I should pray to Krishna for those things. So it's for everybody. Hmm? And, um, of course, the extent to which Krishna is in our life and we're living in that consciousness, then we'll actually start to feel and experience that, that Krishna's actually taking care of me. Hmm. So it's for everybody. That help? Yeah. Okay. Any other questions along those lines? Or if not, any other independent inquiry? Those are two aspects of Sharanagati. Uh, our, our maintenance is central to our life. Hmm? It's something we have to think about all the time. Hmm? How will we be maintained? How will we sustain ourselves? Hmm? Protection is something that comes up on occasion. The necessity to be protected in a particular instance from some 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 problem hmm? therefore they seem similar but they're actually different and one the the former the maintenance is obviously more central it's a constant uh, preoccupation hmm? so if this central focus of our lives how to how to how to make how to there's a song, ain't it funny how it feels when you know that life is real? Hmm? It's an old song. And it's about a teenager, really, who suddenly, he may have had the experience, realizes, I've got to make it on my own. <laughs> Nobody's going to, you know, I've got to maintain myself. But it's a little bit of a, existential crisis, something like that. Hmm. So, what I mean to say is, once we, once we hit that point, before that, obviously, the parents are taking care of us, and we're not, we don't have to think too, too much. We can think back and how it was, the parents were taking care of us, and, <laughs> and, um, and try to be childlike in relation to Krishna in one sense. Hmm and um, have confidence that he will take care of us. But otherwise, we reach a point where we realize, I'm going to make it here somehow or other. And then sometimes, we think, if I could get some help, the two of us could go together, and then <laughs> maybe it would be easier, something like that. Hmm? So this is the beginning of that, you know, as I say, existential crisis. How will I exist? Hmm? I'm faced with the threat of non-existence unless I struggle and stand up and uh, and, uh, and so I want to I'm from that point on we are engaged in that on one level or another hmm? 
And um, so it, this is just, the, I want to say, like, like, I, like I have this, the central focus of our existence. So this is, here Bhakti comes to us and Krishna is saying, right, that it goes to the heart of what our heart is beating about, how to, how to live, how to, how to counteract, the, how to ward off the threat of, of non-existence, that I might be devoured by the world and, and so forth. Hmm? So it's so central hmm, to our lives. And this is the point there that Krishna is supposed to come in. This is Sharanagati, this is Shraddha. Hmm? So it's, 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 it's different than the occasional instance where we need some, um, some protection. In those instances also, like Draupadi, needed protection. So she called out to Krishna, Govinda, protect me, as I was mentioning this morning, about the disrobing of her in a public place. Hmm? Does that help? Yeah. What else? Yes. And also about Saranagati, the usual, like the sixth uh, limb of Saranagati is translated as something like complete surrender, or surrender of the soul. And I think the other needs are like easier to understand, but you say something about what that means, like in a practical level. I'm not sure I understand your question. But what, what means? Oh, Atmanibedam, Atmasamarpanam. So one of the, you're saying that one of the limbs of Sharanagati sounds like Sharanagati. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a little confusing. Um, uh, You can read in Jaiva Dharma, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has given five moods that correspond with six aspects of Sharanagati. Um, uh, a, a mood of commitment, of a promise, um, that I won't, I will avoid things that are unfavorable to bhakti, I will accept the things that are favorable to bhakti. This is a commitment, a promise, this kind of mood, hmm? a vow. This is anukul pratikul. And then, um, I don't know if I can remember them all, but uh, protection, gopritve varanam tatha. Excuse me, rakshikshati vishvash vo. So vishvash, confidence with regard to Krishna is my protector. Rakshikshati vishvash vo. The mood is Vishvas, confidence. Uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has written about this beautifully. Uh, Atma samar, Atma samar, Pane gela abhiman. Very nice song. Atma samar, Pane gela abhiman. And there he describes, I will... go into the forest with Krishna and his friends and we will enter the mouth of Vagasura hmm? and, and we will have, we have no fear Vishvas, confidence confidence that Krishna will protect us hmm? and he goes through so many beautiful leelas like this hmm? especially with regard to Sakirasa and Krishna is protecting his his friends and so forth from the forest fire and Krishna will swallow it and then so he expresses very much this mood of Vishvas this confidence that's very um, uh, central to uh, um, uh, Sakiras Vishvam Vishvam Bena it means it's the the Pradhan the the root of Sakya And and he uses that as an example so the mood is Confidence with regard to um, Krishna is my protector, and then um, uh, dependence with regard to maintenance—a mood of dependence and dependent on Krishna. I'm a servant of Krishna, 
and I'm dependent upon him what comes as a result of the service. Really, for a Sharanagata, there are no problems, hmm, in a sense, because his or her only concern is to serve Krishna. It's not concerned with anything else. So if I, if my only business is to serve you, and there are problems in the cor- that arise in the course of serving you, then we just deal with them. Hmm? And if there are good things that come in, in the context of serving, well, we, these things are incidental. Hmm? There are no real problems in bhakti, in a sense. So anyway, maintenance, uh, that, uh, dependence, corresponds with the Gokritve Varanam Tata, Krishna is my maintainer. And then, um, so that's one, two, three, four. Then there's uh, Dainyam, humility. And the, the, the mood for cultivating humility is humility. <laughs> uh, and lo and behold, we come to the last one, and the one I can't remember the mood for. <laughs> atma Samarpane, Atma Atma Atma, atma Nikshep, Atma Atma Nivedan, same idea. It is, uh, but it is, uh, it is a, it is a kind of a resignation, hmm? uh, resigning myself um, that um, that I belong to Krishna. Hmm? What I have belongs to Krishna for His service. So I'm uh, resigning myself, signing myself, kind of a slavery. I'm signing into. The mood is slavery, <laughs> divine slavery. I'm signing myself over, something like that. So there are some subtle, uh, subtle differences between all of which falls under the larger banner of Sharanagati. That again, as I say, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur has beautifully uh, emphasized, uh, corresponds with Shraddha, that is then the entrance uh, level uh, for uh, entrance qualification for bhakti. Another question? Yes. Uh, I have a question about uh, anabhikarana because it seems like everything that uh, does not have beginning should not have an end as well. So I was thinking um, in this regard, it's said that uh, when devotee uh, becomes per, uh, perfect perfect devotee, his karma, when he leaves his body, his karma is distributed like good karma goes to people who like him and bad karma goes to his enemies. So this is uh, like the way karma continues itself. Mam pytanie w związku z anabi bez początku, więc tak wydaje się, że rzecz, która nie ma początku, nie powinna też mieć końca. I w związku z tym zapytałam, czy jest też napisane, że jeżeli wielbiciel osiąga doskonałość i odchodzi z tego świata, to jego zła karma zostaje się jego wrogą, a jego dobra karma tym, którzy go lubili. So your dilemma is how can something have no beginning but have an end? Hmm? I think that the way to resolve that is not the way in which you're thinking about it. Because if my karmas are distributed to someone else, hmm, they will also come to an end. Do you understand? In other words, uh, if I perform an action that brings a particular result, the result will spend itself out in due course. Um, But in the broader sense, I think we can say that karma is beginningless and it is endless. It has an end in terms of its influence on a particular individual. Hmm? But the principle of karma 
will always be around. There will never be an end to the material world, a point where there's no more material world, hmm? a point where there's no more karma. So in this sense, in the broadest term, our understanding, karma has no beginning hmm? and karma has no end. But we tend to, to emphasize that the idea that karma does have an end for you hmm? if bhakti comes into your life and you take advantage of that. Hmm? So while it ends for you, it doesn't mean that the material... You will think the material world ended. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> you will never have to think about it again. But it, will, it still goes on. And it will never end. There will always be souls in the material world. Hmm. An infinite number of them. <laughs> and an infinite number will, will, will leave also. So We may have to talk about more about that as we go on in the Brahma Samhita. It's a big topic. Uh, so maybe we'll save that for future future class and go into that in some greater detail. What is the time now? So I think we'll we'll stop for the evening a little early perhaps. But uh, then tomorrow we have meet again and we'll discuss about uh, diksha and the significance of that. I'll give a lecture on that. We'll have a nice yagya and uh, and um, as far as I know, then you two, you, and you will be initiated. Hmm? And um, what about you? <laughs> talk to Guru. Talk to Guru Bhakya. You should. That's. That's what I think. You should talk to Guru Vakya. Hmm. Okay. You've got about 12 hours. <laughs> okay. Go with Premanandi. Bo. Bo.